This episode of the Miscast Podcast is sponsored by Orange Amps and the brand new Brent Hines Signature 15 Watt Turret Amp. Orange teamed up with Brent Hines from Mastodon to create a new amp feature and an all new gain structure making it a completely unique turret model. The 15 watt amp is perfect for the bedroom with a 7, 1 and half watt mode but it's still perfect for hitting the stage with. The all new 3 stage gain structure means that it's brighter at the lower gain levels and it fattens up as you dial in more gain. The natural channel has also been redesigned to have more bottom end while still retaining the balance and playability of the Rocker series. This amp can do everything from rich cleans to brutal drop tuned riffs. If you're a fan of Mastodon or even if you're not this is definitely an amp you need to check out. But if you want a more traditional British valve amp, Orange have you covered too with the all new Rocker 15 Terra, with a finely balanced natural channel which is a perfect platform for pedals and a more familiar dirty channel, this is a Rocker's dream amp. And you also got to need a cab to run these amps through, so why not check out the all new vertical 2x12 from Orange. In fact, it's the first one they've ever done. Similar to their regular industry standard cabs, this 2x12 is made from birch plywood and is fitted with Celestian Neo cream bags. The perfect cab to go with your new Orange amps or any amp for that matter. If you want to see these reviewed, head on over to my YouTube channel because I'll be doing a review of these very, very soon. YouTube.com slash C slash Doodles Music. And to get more info and to find your local Orange dealer, head to orangeamps.com. That's Orange A-M-P-S the following podcast is a miscast production. From the northeast of England and Moscow, Russia, Doodles and Dan present the Miscast Podcast. Alright everybody, welcome to the Miscast Podcast. I'm your host Doodles and this opening of the show is going to be slightly different to the previous episode. And me and my co-host Daniel Yanov, my Russian brother from Never Mother, we sat down to talk about Winter Nam 2018. And to tell you the truth, we thought we weren't even going to be able to go an hour. We I estimated we'd probably go about an hour, but we were worried that we're only going to maybe hit 30 to 45 minutes, uh, which was okay. We're not going to drag out a podcast if we don't have to. We're not going to make it an hour long uh, if we don't have an hour long worth of content to talk about. So we thought maybe it's going to be a 35 maybe a 45 minute podcast but that would be okay but when we sat down when we hit the record button we ended up talking for just over two hours and uh, that is one hell of a long episode of the miscast podcast and although we could release it as a full two-hour episode and uh, we figured most people probably wouldn't want to sit that long in one sitting to listen to the podcast so we took the decision we're going to actually split it into two episodes uh, so this episode today you're going to hear the first part of our conversation it's going to go on just over an hour so i'm going to keep this open short so we can get straight into the conversation but the conversation is going to go on for just over an hour then we're going to come back in a few days later and we're going to do episode three which i'm going to play you the second half of our conversation where we talk about nam we talk about the new acts of x3 we talk about bc rich and we talk about a few other things too and uh, we've got a few conversations going on in the podcast we talk about various brands from uh, chapman to uh, the whole jared dines thing to uh, vintage esp uh, Gibson, Fender, you name it, we talk about it. So I'm going to keep this open brief. Just want to let you guys know this is basically how the episode is going to flow because the episode will cut off about halfway through. Then I'll come back at the end of the episode and I'll do the usual clause that we did in the last episode. Uh, but also, if you start listening to Miscast Podcast in episode three, if we didn't have this open first, it would be a bit confusing that we'd literally start a conversation halfway through. So basically, I want to let you guys know this is how the episode is going to be. And obviously, for episode three, I will do a similar thing and let guys know that the first part of the conversation is in this episode. So I'll further ado this is the conversation me and dad had about winter nam hope you guys enjoy it how's things going man uh doing great so obviously um, over the last week is pretty much the christmas of musicians winter nam happened and uh, obviously we're going to talk about that today we had to talk about that today uh when yeah sure got to talk about winter nam this is like christmas for us uh this is what everyone waits all year for and of course, there's a mega ton worth of things to talk about, and that's what we're going to do. So, uh, just to start off with, you got any personal highlights? Anything that you want to kick the show off with? 
Um, yeah, XFX is definitely one of the highlights for. Yeah, I think uh, I think we'll leave, we should leave to that remember. to after. We'll do that once we've talked about Nam as a whole. We'll think we'll go back to the XFX class. So that's like that's like post Nam stuff. But uh, anything at Nam in particular that stood out? Um, some of new vendors like the they definitely universe. introduced that uh, weird looking how it's called. Oh, the Meteora. Oh yeah, yeah. The Meteora, the Jazzmaster Telecaster thing. I want to love that guitar. Because I've got the Boat Blaze, which is like the Jazzmaster-esque type of guitar. And I kind of like, I really want to love that Meteora, but there's just something about it. I just can't. I just can't personally love it. There's just something. I think it's the Tele. I think if we didn't have the Tele pickups, I think I would dig it. I think it's just something about it. I dig the colour. Yeah, a lot of uh, those traditional manufacturers, uh, they do throw in a few oddball models Firstly, the, then. the parallel universe thing was intended to be like that wasn't it that's the whole purpose of it it's to be really different it's basically like combining all these different shapes together that you in combinations and stuff that you wouldn't expect they've kind of like put like all the fender combinations together into different guitars and they are pretty weird yeah. And obviously the, the meat, ultimate Fender. It's like, like the Meteor is probably like <laughs> I'd say the Meteor is probably like the most out there one they've done. Like that's probably the one that's obviously that's got the most attention because that is like the more radical designed one. But uh, yeah, the Parallel Universe got some really weird things. Like they've got a Telecaster with a Fender pickguard with three single core pickups, which looks rather weird. It's like a Strat with the uh, the left horn cut off. Oh, are those lipstick pickups? No, I no, they're just regular single cars. Literally, it's a, okay. it's a tele body with a strap pick guard and strap uh, pickups. It's oh. really, really weird. And obviously, they've got the Meteor as well. They've got like a, they've got a Dumbo humbucker telly, which actually looks a lot like a Les Paul. Like it's got a very similar top to a Les Paul, which is really weird. Um, but they've also got things, they've got like, I think they've got like a Jazzmaster with three single coil strap type pickups. They've got a strat with a tele pick guard with tele pickups like some really really strange things out of this range but i suppose after 55 years 63 years other than since the strat or tele whatever it was over 60 what was it like 1951 the esquire came out i think it was or the norcaster or the broadcaster like, yeah, obviously they've been doing they, this stuff for a long time i think their first guitar was actually a p bass which is now called like a tele bass which is Oh yes, was probably it was late forties even maybe fifty. Yes, maybe I know which one you're on about. Yeah, ish. I think it, yeah, I think they call it like a fifty-one. I think that's what they generally refer it as. Uh, I think they actually had that one at Nam. I think they actually they've remade it kind of as part of this lineup as well. But um, yeah, I've seen them before. But uh, yes, I sort of think it's obviously like early fifties, late forties, early fifties when sort of like Fender started doing all these models. Yeah, and obviously, so that's, since that's then, a lot of decades. since then, the Telecaster, the Strat, etc., has pretty much been exactly the same. Obviously, they do change things all the time, but it's largely been the same guitar, just in different forms. So I suppose at some point they've got to do something like this just to get people talking, because obviously at Nam, we know what a Strat looks like. We all we know what a Tay looks like. We don't need to see them again. Obviously, if they change things about, that's cool. But I suppose this has got people talking about Fender in a huge way again, which maybe they were lacking. Oh yeah, because yeah, there the usual changes like which uh, were considered radical was like a slightly different neck radius or yeah. different 
frets like exactly they go like you know this sensation we... yeah we have a different like we have jumbo frets instead of like less jumbo frets yeah exactly and it's like look this telecaster you've bought for the last 60 years well we've, we've increased the neck radius by three millimeters and it's like brilliant that's great obviously if you want a new if you want a telecaster that's fantastic but it's not gonna yeah. but like they're not, those sort of things aren't gonna make us go out and buy a telecaster unless we want one because obviously the it is what it is but I suppose this way is actually we've got we're talking about we're sat now talking about Fender which is probably something we wouldn't have been doing if that hadn't happened if the parallel universe wasn't a thing we probably wouldn't be talking about Fender right oh, now yeah. so yeah. It, it was a good thing I don't think it's going to be something that's going to stick around long term I think it is probably going to be a one-off deal yeah they they always do something like crazy every every now and then I think they probably have done like very similar models to those uh, in those you know 70 years yeah i'm sure they've made like tele strats like strats cost with tellies before where they've done things like that i think yeah i'm pretty sure i've seen something like that they've done stuff like that but yeah i think it's one of those things where it's got people talking again and to be fair if i had the money there's a couple of these i'd actually i'd consider at least trying out to see whether it was something that i'd want to buy it's not something where i think i would want to own one but there's a few of them where it's piqued my interest enough where i'd go if i had the money to blow i'd definitely consider at least giving it a go and seeing what i think so I suppose Fender, have, um, they've done the job. Like I said, everyone's talking about them. People have been talking about this, especially the Meteor, people have been talking about it. And uh, overall, I think the, the response has been largely positive. I think people do have been digging it. Uh, obviously, whether they get the sale figures or not, but I don't think that's what it's about. I think it's more just getting them back in people's minds again. I think that's one of the main things. At least they've, they've been at NAMM, actually. Yeah, well, <laughs> like yeah. some other companies. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Obviously, we, got, we can move on to that one next. Obviously, Gibson were absent from NAMM, which um, could have been a good thing, could have been a bad thing. Uh, they were at CES, which obviously was probably be a lot more beneficial for them because I read, I'm sure it's the day I read, that uh, 75% of their revenue or something comes from not Gibson guitars, I think. Yeah, I heard something like that. They have... Because they've obviously they got Phil- they've got Philips Home Entertainment. Um, they've got multitude of different um, non-guitar-related brands under the banner. So Philips Home Entertainment is it owned yeah. by Gibson? Uh, I believe it is. Yes, I oh. believe it is. I don't know oh if it's God. the same Philips as in like the ones that make TVs and batteries and that. I'm not entirely sure. Because, yeah, if it is, they don't have anything to worry about, I think. Well, I've read today that their revenue, they, I think last year, or it was like one of the more recent years, I think they uh, made something like 2.24 billion in revenue or something like that. I think it was on the Tone King. Tone King actually posted an article on his website and uh, that yeah, mentioned that's, it. That's a lot. That mentioned it. And that's why he said that a company like Gibson can have $520 million of debt because they do earn that much money that it's not an issue in a way yeah um, it looks like they have Philips right Gibson Innovations uh... yeah obviously they've got all the stuff they've got like more guitar related stuff like Kramer Epiphone which I think Epiphone's probably going to be a huge source of income from the guitar related stuff yeah because uh, yeah, I think because it's fair enough the Gibsons are more expensive but I think there's a probably a much wider market base for Epiphone would be my estimation I don't know the exact sales figures but I'd probably say like Epiphone probably play a large part in that because obviously more, more people can afford an Epiphone because they've got an Epiphone for $99 and upwards so I think there's probably a good market there but yeah they've obviously they've got companies like Philips and uh, the similar brands they've got a lot of uh, music based stuff but more like software stuff they've got like your Tascam do they own Tascam? I think they do 
Tascam. Oh yeah, I've heard of that, and they owned it. Is it done by Gibson as well? I think because so. Yeah. I actually heard some bad things about, uh, you know, when Tascam was like back in the day, it was good, but then someone bought it, and it now it's like oh yeah, n- yeah. now it's like sucks and. But yeah, um, uh, yeah, according, according to the Wikipedia, is apparently Tascam. It it possibly yes, it appears to be that so. way. Did they ruin Tescam? That's more than likely. Sounds about right. Yes. Sounds about right. Yeah, apparently it's a subsidiary um, okay. of Gibson. So, so yeah, obviously they got lots of going for them. So maybe that CES was probably a good thing to do. Um, focus more on this, uh, the consumer electronics rather than the guitars. Because yeah. that's another thing like Fender. We all know what Les Paul like sounds like. We all know what it looks like. If you want to go and buy Les Paul, we'll go to uh, Guitar Guitar, Guitar Center, Sweetwater, all that sort of stuff. And you'll go and buy a Les Paul. You don't need to see it in person. We don't need to see it like at NAM, like it's not anything special. And obviously, a NAM booth, even for a small one, probably set them back $50,000. And according to the Tone King, the size of Gibson, they could be spending a quarter million dollars at NAM. Yeah, those booths are quite expensive. And um, what they're going to get sure. out of it? What they're going to get out of it, really? Because they're only going to show the same Les Pauls that we can already go and buy anyway, the 2018 line. Uh, it would have been nice to obviously see more stuff like the RD and stuff like that because they brought them back. It would have been nice to see them at NAM, but apparently they were at the CES show anyway, so there's still been coverage about the the RD, the SG Junior, the new Les Paul Junior and stuff like that. So they still had Gibson guitars at the CES show, just obviously not at NAM. But uh, whether it was a bad thing or not, who knows? But uh, that's another thing where they're, they're not innovative anymore in that sense. I don't think we really miss them. Um, yeah, I think the Gibson brand is mostly associated with those traditional, yeah, like OG. They are so innovative guitars. in a way, obviously, they're like they push the boundaries and try new things. They had like the G Force tuners, like they do try new things, but they're not oh, yeah, innovative the in the same way where like they, they haven't blown us away in terms of like we've completely revolutionized the business or we've completely doing something, we're going in a complete new direction. It's still essentially Gibson just with new gimmicks. Yeah, although it's quite hard to do something like revolutionary. Oh yeah, definitely in, in that kind of industry. And I think no companies are really. There's not many companies doing it now. I think only the mainly revolutionary things are more like your fan frets, your multi scales. They're the only thing that really sort of like has been oh, innovative. Oh yeah, and uh, also in kind of uh, the production side, logistics. Like yeah, uh, when brands like Chapman, which are said to be shipped from directly from directly the from Korea. factory to yeah. uh, the retailers instead of having a intermediary yeah and i think obviously like um, control office i think wmi the factory that do all that stuff i think they're absolutely they're pretty much at the top of the game now like they're pretty much if you look at what people talk about at nam and anything else i think that pretty much world music instruments in korea is pretty much what people talk about obviously not the factory itself but the guitars that come from those factories yeah i look like that like they're pretty much at the top of the game obviously they've got Schechter, they've got uh chapman they've got prs uh, the se lines the non-usa line uh they've got like dean they've got so many companies uh being manufactured is, out of there is ltd built in LTD. as well yeah. LTD is another one that's another big one that's, that's something I want to talk about as well um, at some point in the podcast but yeah I'm going to see listed guitars made by world music that's like it'd be quite surprising to see what's actually um, apparently BC Rich were but I don't think they are now because my BC Rich is Korean I don't know if it was made by them or caught but apparently uh, they, yeah but 
PC richer or all no, they're Chinese so they now. have Japanese, they have Korean, Not they anymore. have they're all, they're Chinese guitars, now. Like, they're all Chinese now. Uh, maybe Indonesia, I don't know, because they have a really cheap models, uh, at least yeah, some years but ago. But nowadays, every, every PC rich is Chinese, which is another thing we'll probably talk about oh, yeah. at uh, some point. But yeah, apparently Gretsch is made over there. Uh, the Line 6 guitars are all made there. So there's a lot of different brands that are made there. And um, if you look at some of the sort of the biggest things that have gone on at NAMM, pretty much world music is been a part of a lot of it really yeah that's that's probably the kind of innovation we have to see in in this day and age it's also so potentially like why new guitars but like the different way the guitars are built and distributed mm. and you're starting and to see a lot more of these like neck throughs with like the where you see like the wings like we got the natural finish on the back you can see how like the construction of it and like there's always like the binger necks and like, I think like, they're being very innovative in the what they're doing especially with this whole sites thing like, I think they're really pushing the boundaries of what of manufacturing around that yeah and those those type of guitars usually used to be like super premium expensive yeah now it's like the now norm. it's like just a regular model that like you can go on like a website and pay five inch quid and get this like neck through like a babinga maple neck through guitar with mahogany wings and all this like it's just like it's just like normal now which is yeah. it's great for us it's absolutely fantastic first one of the downsides and that's something i want to move, we'll move on to now scenes so that's going to be on my subject list uh of scenes that we transitioned into korea uh is that one of the downsides about all that is all the guitars generally look the same now well, not all of them, but a good portion of the companies that are made there, a lot of the guitars I've noticed are looking the same, are very, very similar to each yeah, other. Yeah, so the cheap segment of the market is like trying to emulate um, successfully well, in look, a way. Uh, the expensive guitars, maybe we will see some expensive guitars uh, getting some... But a lot of it, I'd even put in closer to the, mid, the mid-range stuff. Like, obviously, like, the higher-level Schecters, like, sort of the mid-price Korean Schecters, the Chapman Pro stuff, they're all, like, your £1,000 guitars. So they're not exactly cheap. They're, they're not high-end gear, oh, yeah. but they're not cheap by any means. But, like, that's one thing I've, I've sort of noticed is, like, the Chapman, especially the Pro range, the modern Pro stuff that they've done. Um, oh, yeah, that's, the new, that's new as well, yeah. The new Schecter stuff, like, if you look at the tops, like, the way those tops are done, they all look very similar to each other. That sort of the colour design, where it's always, like, a, looks like quite a thin colour, but always, like, a bit, like, almost like a smoky type of colour, like, the way that the paint's applied. Like, if you look at the Schecters and the Chapmans, and even some of the LTD stuff, they all look very similar to each other. Nowadays. Uh, yeah, that's, that's probably explained by the fact that they are built at the same yeah. factory, because, yeah... Um, that's probably, also one yeah, of the, the downsides that kind of finish and technology is not um, dictated by the brands anymore so they they probably just ask what can you do and they offer like we can do that kind of finish that kind of finish we have those types of uh, yeah. tone woods and it looks know. awesome so obviously the companies are going to go with it yeah uh, that's it, it looks something. awesome yeah sure but yeah, that's what I've noticed. That like, especially like Schecter and Chapman, I'd say are probably the two companies where, if you look at the way the stuff they've been doing over the last year, they look very, very similar to each other in terms of like tops and finishes and that. Which they look, they look great. But I think that's one of the downsides about some like world music instruments being what it is because it, a lot of the companies are starting to look similar. But yeah, now I'm looking at my uh, you know Gibson USA Les Paul standard with a flame maple top, which yeah. used to be a big deal. Now it's like 
Meh, like <laughs> yeah, it's like almost every, like that, every hundred dog it has uh, almost that sort of like trip away flame map or top. Now you can get something that looks as good on like a thousand dollar Korean Schecter or Chapman or something mm, like that. Like it's not as yeah, big of a deal like anymore. Five hundred, four hundred dollars. Yeah, it's like everything is flame map exactly. top. With... But uh, but speaking of Schecter, obviously I'm a huge uh, flag flyer for Schecter. <clears throat> I've loved Schecter for years. Absolutely adore the brand. But it seems like, especially in 2018, if I don't want to see one shape guitar, I'm pretty much fucked. Like, if you look at their range, what they've been releasing, especially like with the whole apocalypse stuff, like everything's just like C1. Like, you know, like oh, the, the shape that like Keith yeah. Merrill's guitars are. Like, it's sort of like Keith Merrill's guitars, they've got all the C1 stuff. Like, pretty much it's all that sort of double cut kind of super strat, but meant for more down tuned metal type of guitars. That's pretty much like all I'm seeing out of Schecter at the minute. And obviously, they do do the other stuff as well, but. But like that's like yeah, a big portion of it that I'm seeing. And, yeah, um, and if you if you go back to YouTube, if you like search for any metal cover or metal video or yeah. even music videos, like most of the guitars are like super strats with flame maple top do humbuckers and all that. So it's, sort of, it's, like, it's basically like the modern super strat. Like obviously back in the eighties, super strat was like your Charles, your Jacksons. And that, but now it's almost like the super strat type of guitar is like a C1 shape guitar, like a modern double cut type of guitar. And, yeah, um, it's kind of getting less, um, I don't know, um, exciting. Yeah, yeah, because, pretty, yeah, pretty everything like, is like that. Like a couple so. of years ago, you'd see like someone like a Pikachu or like a, a Leo would be playing something, and you'd be like, "Damn, that looks sweet as." But now it's like when uh, when like Pete showed off his new Chapman ML1 uh, Pro, like he, he mentioned it in a video, and it was like, oh yeah, it looks right. That yeah, looks like any other guitar. Yeah, so like, like I can, I can, guitar, I can get a Schecter. Yeah, Schecter looks like that. LTD has similarities at times. LTD still kind of very much um, doing the wrong thing though, which is good. They they've been really pushing the boundaries in terms of uh, build style and colors, and so they've been really sort of doing some good things this year. But yeah, I think the whole thing of the guitars looking very similar is really pissing me off. Cause I do like the shapes, but if I don't want one, I sort of feel like I'm very left out. Uh, yeah, actually, I'm me personally, I'm not a fan of Strat S type guitars. Just uh, just because they're everywhere. Even when I was starting out, like uh, every option you have is like Squire Strat, Ibanez Strat, and I was like, can can I get a Les Paul, please? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, they everywhere, and uh, even now when I am, you know, hopefully more mature guitar player, uh, I'm all, I'm still like not super excited about Strats, even though I own a couple of them. It's like recently I mean, I've been wanting a more metal guitar, but it's sort of oh. like obviously something like a C1 type of shape, like LTD. Sort of thing would be what I'd probably gravitate towards when it gets to that point where I can buy one, but like it's sort of like I don't know, would it just kill to have a bit more option out there? Do you know what I mean? Like it sort of feels like that's my only option out there. If I want, if I want a metal guitar, I'm pretty much stuck with like that sort of type of guitar, which is yeah, you have some Les Paul style guitars, yeah, so you got, like yeah, you've got them too. ESP have those Vipers which were like metal, like the SG, the metal SGs type yeah, of thing, yeah, but yeah, it's not like would it kill them? Just, would it kill them? Bring the S1 back as well, that would be a I'd welcome that if they bring the Schecter S1 back, like just just make it again, like damn, yeah, like that's the S2 looks cool, but it's no S1, like the S1's badass, that's like I love it, well, you know, I've, I've got love for the S1 anyway, but. But like, would it just kill them just to put it back on the line or please just do it again? Especially in one of these like apocalypse styles, that'd be lush. 
Ja. ja, Gibson tried to bring that shape back. Oh yes, the I modern think they failed. Uh, everyone hating it. I liked it. Sure. I liked it. I was in the minority, but I liked it. I think if they made an Epiphone version or something like that, I probably would have been all over it. But not paying oh, yeah, Gibson probably. custom shop prices for that. But uh, if they've actually brought it properly in the range, even if it's like a studio, a traditional, a standard sort of stuff like that, I, I think the price it would sell. I think. Yeah, but uh, you know, if they made an Epiphone version of that, it will probably cost as much as a Gibson uh, used from studio. Like, the nineties. Yeah, uh, yeah, they had like double cut. That's uh, one thing that's pissing me off now. Is, is how expensive Epiphone's getting. It's, yeah, I'm not sure because yeah, where I live, it's everything is. is Oh my god. <laughs> Where I live, everything is expensive. So, it appears like uh, I'm very pissed off this episode, apparently, because all I've done is complain about things so far. This might have been an episode about the great things of Nam and so far, we just okay, complain yeah, about Okay, yeah, yeah, let's, let, let's go back to positive stuff. But yeah, but, sure. but, but since I, was, I started mentioning it, the prices of Epiphones now are getting absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely uh, stupid. Are those, are those made in China or yep. Korea? Still or? made in China, but like, fair enough, the guitars are absolutely fantastic, but like 799 quid for a Matt Heafy signature seven string. Like, uh, that's a yeah, lot I heard of money. They are great, I've but heard the grey, but yeah, it's an Epiphone, and that's that's kind of uh, you've, you've got a lot of options out there for that sort of price point. Yeah, but the the, the brand has some kind of uh, it's got a name know, value, I suppose. It's, it's, it's got a name, like mm. it's uh, it's a novice guitar. It's, like, well, it's more like inf- he... inflation as well as annoying. Like back, in, I know it was quite a while ago, back in two thousand thirteen, late two thousand thirteen, I think it was September ish. I bought my Les Paul tribute, the nineteen sixties plus tribute, and I paid four hundred and forty nine pound for that with case, and now they sell for six hundred and seventy nine quid for the oh exact God. same guitar. It's a big jump jump in price and. Fair enough, Gibson's probably debt's probably got something to do with that as well, because uh, the prices of Gibson's obviously hiked up a lot in that time as well. I think the Gibson's standards have gone up by about seven, eight hundred quid in that amount of time. Um. Oh yeah. So probably yeah, because now it's like um, how much? Eight hundred, seven hundred for an Epiphone. Higher end Epiphone is about somewhere between five hundred and seven hundred and fifty quid for a higher end Epiphone. Yeah, but those are Epiphones, and that's kind of a name of a rookie guitar because uh, yeah. even uh, even even now I wouldn't dare to show up to some kind of serious uh, audition with a Epiphone guitar. Yeah, it's one of those things where the, the guitars are fantastic. Epiphone. There's nothing wrong with Epiphone. I love my Epiphone. I love my Gibson. But yeah, it's still it's it's seen as like the squire of Gibson. Yeah, kind which is of, shit. even so. you've got guys like Matt Heafy absolutely killing it. Matt, he- I say right, Matt Heafy. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, killing Matt. it. And that he's playing his Epiphone signatures. Obviously, he's on Twitch five days a week now with Epiphone signatures. He's two in the world with his Epiphone signatures. But like, it's still the it's still sort of looked down upon as being like the lesser guitar. Yeah, they. Which is, I think, if they just fixed the headstock, it would look like mm. way more. Yeah, legit, because maybe that's why that's... Gibson don't want to give him the headstock because people will just buy the Epiphone. Yeah, it kind of looks like uh, a lot of people talk about that. That it's um, but like personally, I'd probably say that Epiphone. In this instance, yeah. the Epiphone would be the better choice in my opinion. But for seven hundred ninety nine quid, you can get a Gibson Les Paul faded studio, or you can buy like a Matt Heafy signature. And I think in I think the Epiphone would probably be the better choice. But you can get a Gibson. A fully fledged Gibson yeah, for the same price. Wouldn't look like a candy, obviously, but you know the LPG is one of those like yeah. you can get a Epiphone like high end or like mid range nowadays. Which mid range, 
like which is shiny it has binding all over the place but uh, but the know, lpj is a gibson or, or, or you can get an lpj so it's and it has the gibson headstock and it has the proper actual maple top on it and it's the gibson I, yeah so some people may like that some yeah. people may like this i'm obviously going with gibsons right now but yeah but obviously I'd, I'd probably more I'd say I'd rather buy Gibson, but I could see if I ever was in the market for Les Paul again, I'd probably go Epiphone. Unless I had money to burn. I don't know if I'd want to pull the trigger on Epiphone because it's like I could just buy a Gibson. Would I use if since I've got yeah. a since I've got a Gibson, would I play my Epiphone if I bought one now? Like I don't know I don't know I think I'd probably just avoid it altogether. I think I wouldn't even bother buying either. Yeah, that, that that would be easier if that was just one brand like Ibanez or BC Rich yeah, it's Exactly, like- yeah. Yeah, it kind of has its benefits. It kind of has its pros and cons, but uh, yeah. I think with... Fender get away with it more because there is a bigger gap between. I think fair enough. The Strats, I've heard the the uh, what they're called, the classic vibe stuff. I've heard them. It easily made in Mexico quality guitars. Yeah, and quite so, cl- even Fender with Fender logo are made. Some of them, at least, are made in Indonesia and China. Yeah. So yeah, there's even Fenders uh, made in China know. as well. So. But yeah, I think I think there's a bigger gap between them. Like I think there is a big difference between them. With Fender, I think it's easier to get away with having the two set of brands. But I think Epiphone and Gibson should be sort of like it should have been one brand. But it is what it is. Yeah, it, it is what it is. Historical but, thing. But anyway, let's stop ranting because I've apparently been really pissed off this episode so far. <laughs> so um, and uh, one one more thing seems that we're talking about Schecter. I was meant to mention that the DJ Ashburn acoustic was now a thing, uh, which was one nice thing that I saw at Nam. Looked pretty damn sweet. I had the name, but you used to play that... in Guns and Roses back in the day. Ah, one of those, one of those new, new guys. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was the last new guy before, obviously, the new lineup. The like the new old lineup got back together. Uh, but yeah, oh, his yeah. new his new acoustic looks quite sweet. It's like got like a. It's like it's weird. It's like it reminds me a bit of like Sinister Gates's type of style but then it's got like these three holes rather than one big sound hole and it's got bird inlays and the the actual Schecter headstock uh, yeah, not like I'm a proper seeing the picture right shot. now it, uh, yeah it has like this um what's it called ovation vibe I think ovation guitars like d- just something like remotely uh, DJ Ashbad like actually had his own line of ovation acoustics out oh. pre Guns and Roses so that would make sense why it's got that, that similarities to it sure but uh, that was on my check the notes anyway, since we did mention them. We're good, since we're going to go off and rant into good stuff now, I thought I'd quickly just mention the Ashbury Acoustic before I was still talking about Schechter. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we'll move on. Um, so what, what what should we talk about now? I think the cha- we should talk about Chapman. Since oh, we also yeah, mentioned Chapman Korea, we those. did briefly mention Chapman. So I think we'll segue into the good stuff, but we'll mention Chapman uh, is a good point this time, rather than looking a bit like everything else at the minute. But oh, yeah, uh, so... Chapman revealed a hell of a lot of new guitars. Not as many as they did last year, but they did show a few new guitars nonetheless. Uh, they had the new Pro 7 strings, which looked pretty damn sweet, with some new finishes. Yeah, to start with, they uh, they have uh, like a Made in UK line They've got now, them as well, and... yeah, the, uh, the British Standard Series, which is basically like the Chapman Custom Shop type of guitars how much are those uh, did they give any prices or uh, they like said in the region of about three and a half grand in the oh, uk yeah. so you're looking at say four thousand to four and a half thousand dollars would be my estimation obviously the prices could vary they might go up depending on what you want in it obviously it is a custom shop it's yeah. essentially it's a custom shop because 
It's like it's made in Britain. They they pre. I'm assuming they're making the ML one two three and uh, goes for it. I'm assuming that's going to be mm, what they're making. Yeah, I'm wondering. Uh, do they have like a separate workshop or do it's they? It's somewhere in the UK. I can't remember who makes them, but it is somewhere in the UK. So do they make some other brands like? Is no, it like or they made some guitars or something like that. Or they may make guitars for other new? people. They may have their own brand. I'm not totally sure. They may just be luthiers who just do stuff. They may make the odd own guitar for them, like a private purchase thing, where they'll make one on order for someone. So, but not like a known brand, not like a not like an actual brand like Chapman. Like maybe yeah, just like one off. Yeah, so like, it, it would be weird if like Rob Chapman just built a, a workshop from scratch and had a bunch of luthiers. Oh yeah, they've bought yeah they've, they've contracted luthiers for yeah, these. So obviously the, the, it's it's made to order. So obviously they're not in the workshop plowing out these guitars left, right, and center. It's gonna be more of a made to order thing. I imagine they might have the odd guitars that would be like a stock model, like the, maybe the ones that they showed at NAM. Maybe like the Vedas ML1 may be a thing where like Anderton's may have one in stock or like at some point and like Rift City might have one in stock. Like you might be able to have the odd model where you will be able to go and buy it if you want. Uh, from, yeah, at, like, least, at least you have Anderton's in the same country with you because... But I don't see, uh, I don't see them building out like... like you can go to Anderton's and buy like a hundred different Gibson custom shops. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it will be more of like a made-to-order type of thing. But I imagine there probably will be a couple that you'll be able to go and try and buy in Anderton's and Rift City and that. But overall, those things look sweet. Look yeah, sweet they, they definitely look pretty. That Vader finish from the ML1, they're more like the red. You say it was reminding me like the lightsaber. Like that was like the red with like the oh, black yeah. burst but, sort of thing. Yeah, that that's, was... that's kind of probably one of the toughest thing for the high-end guitar builders because obviously the cheap guitars uh, start to look are starting to look uh, a lot like uh, expensive guitars like 10 years ago and now the legit expensive guitars have to differentiate somehow to then like one of the big things is fair enough, they can make it like a thousand pound guitar can make itself look like that guitar but will it play as well but from what i've heard i think that the thousand pound chapmans are gonna be pretty damn sweet i don't know where the two and a half thousand pound value is apart from it obviously being handmade in the uk but i don't in terms of quality what's the diff like what's going to make me want to pay three and a half but i could buy three and a half chapmans or i could like the pros or i could buy one of them like what's yeah i don't want to spend that much you That's can what buy I'm... like a few hundred pizzas by that money so exactly it's, it <laughs> yeah, says that like they're employing that's, that's a lot but yeah they've got I, I, premium I, parts but fair enough like Tone Pros is still pretty decent stuff. Like, how premium is the tuners and the bridge going to be compared to other things? They've got, obviously, the beautiful choices of woods. They've got triple... They've got four A, so, like, quadruple A flame maple tops. And like, so, they've got the highest end quadruple stuff. Quadruple A. Yeah, so it's... But they're the sort of stuff that you see on the higher end Gibsons as well, like the like the three grand Les Paul standards oh. and stuff like that. They've got nitro finishes as opposed to poly, which is obviously one big thing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's actually a big thing. Yeah, but that's, like, a hundred... Um... I mean, a $1,000 Gibson is a nitro finish. Exactly, so. my LPG has a nitro finish on it. And fair enough, these guitars look, look a hell of a lot better than the LPGs do, but it's like, are oh, these yeah. three and a half times better than the... Like, they're raving about how great the ML1 Pros are. Is the, is the custom shop range? It's essentially a custom shop when you think about it, the British Standard Series. Is yeah, that three actually, and a half times better? I actually played some custom shop guitars, like, not branded, but, uh, you know, local luthiers. 
And yeah, sometimes, uh, like a lot of times, there is a value, so you can hear it and you can feel it definitely. Mm. But that's one of the main uh, things I think. Feel. I, I think you yeah, can make but, you can yeah, make a cheap guitar also... sound good, but can you make it play good? I think that's where the custom shop stuff, stuff does thrive. Is the fact that it plays like a dream, like it plays like your dream guitar would play, and that's sort of where the value I imagine will be. But it's a yeah, lot of money. Probably, for but uh, you know, a lot of um, great albums platinum records and all that were recorded on like a normal usual gibsons and yeah. shakters and i think stuff a lot like of the, that, a lot so of this stuff is more just because you can i think that's where a lot of the market's yeah. going to be because you because they can buy it like, there'd be a guy that can afford four thousand pound for a chapman and that will be that's fine obviously for most of us we don't ever need to get one but it's like i don't know i sort of i think it's a good idea but i don't know obviously it is a made to order thing so if they don't sell any it's no skin off their nose sort of thing it doesn't matter to them in a way um, but it's like when you've got the custom shops from like Fender, Shackdeck, Gibson, like always like these big names with the custom shops. You've got obviously like your, your wood library stuff from PRS. Like, are you going to go to Chapman over them? That's like another one of the big things. If you had five thousand, say you had five thousand dollars to blow, would you buy a Chapman or would you buy a PRS? Like, it's would you just order a complete custom guitar from a local luthier with like all the specs up to your uh, you know preferences because. Uh, actually, my guitar teacher is uh, like very specific about his specs, and he has two custom built guitars, and that's all his place. So he's very particular. He very he's very specific, but he ordered it from you know it's like hundred percent custom. So it's not like a serial guitar made by uh, um, you know it's it's like completely his spec. So and that's yeah, that's kind of. That's probably worth a few thousand dollars. I think if I, had, uh, if I had five grand to spend on a guitar, I'd probably buy a Korean Schecter or a Chapman or something. I'd buy a Kemper and call it yeah, quits. Yeah, or 10 squares. Or <laughs> yeah, that would be my thing. Squares. I'll buy a Chapman and a Schecter and a PRS. And, yeah, uh, and you'll still be able to, to make great records yeah. and uh, play gigs and all that. So I think this is going to be more of a case of because I can. Because I can buy it, I will buy it. Rather than being a this is an amazing piece it's gonna be an amazing piece of gear but i don't think it's gonna be a big market for it like any customer shop there's not a big market for them but it's not yeah, like whether they can... yeah another part of that is like uh chapman's already uh chapman already has a bunch of artists and mm. a lot of big companies as a part of relationship with the yeah. arts if they make some high-end guitars every now and then i don't know for free or not but yeah it's kind of it's kind of a part of relationship with the artist maybe so a, a big part of that production will go to their official like representatives like yeah Scallon, yeah may- maybe yeah but um guys like that but yeah it's just sort of my only concern about that is obviously it's not my concern because it makes no difference to me but it's like whether they can compete with the custom shops that already exist like do they have the name value to do this that's like one of the big things a lot of people yeah. are asking that do they have the name value for custom shop but if people want to custom, if they want a ghost threat made exactly how they want to make it, then obviously this is the way it goes, isn't it? Really, when you, so I'm hopeful for it. I think they are great guitars. I think they do have a lot of potential, but we'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. We'll see what but happens. At least it's uh, it's kind of indication that Chapman guitars are definitely growing. So oh they, yeah, they are definitely they, growing. Obviously, the serious. It's, it's, it's not yeah, like a YouTube all, business anymore. Like it's a legit. Yeah, it's guitar a legit company. brand. Yeah. And I think they already introduced some lower-end models, which are made in China yes. or Indonesia. Indonesia, Indonesia, yeah, the standard range, I think it is. Then they've so got like the pro range in Korea. That's yeah, quite broad. 
Yeah, they had the, 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 the original guitars, which a lot of them were more the natural finish type of guitars, weren't they? Like, they were very basic looking, the original Chapmans. A lot of them, a lot of them, they had the ML7, uh, which were more like the natural Italian Strat style. Then they had like the the Rob, the Rob Scallon guitars, like a natural finish. They had the Hot Rod one with the Floyd Rose. That was like a natural, like it was really stripped back, bare wood type of guitars. Then they sort of expanded into the standard and the pro range, which they've got now with the Indonesia and the Korean guitars. And now they've got the custom shops. It shows that the brand is growing from what it was a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, it is definitely growing. Like, and it's not uh, like a YouTube... Like, it's not like Rob's a YouTuber. Rob's made guitars for his audience to buy because he's a famous YouTuber. Now it's like, this is a brand that can stand next to, like, a Schecter or a PRS. And be like, this is a legit Yeah, company. and talking about Rob Chapman, do they... Does it... Oh, my God. Does he do any videos anymore? Because I haven't seen much. So he doesn't do as much on do, his channel now. Yeah, he used they, to do a lot of demos, but because uh, right now, now isn't it? Is dead, they, like. They've moved it all over to Anderton's channel, which yeah, makes but sense. there is no Rob Chapman on Anderton's channel, so he, he's not on he there. As, does apparently they still do the same amount of videos as they did. Just obviously now, because you've got all the other Anderton stuff as well, you don't see it as much. Yeah, but. Probably looks like Rob Chapman is more busy with his guitar. He might brands. be. Yeah. Apparently, the only he only works at Ander in two days a month. So obviously, they film all the videos in two days. That that obviously are released over the course of the month. So yeah, we probably only see. You might see five or six videos in the course of a month with Rob Chapman in now, as opposed to I'm sure you got more back in the day. Oh yeah, there was like, easy twelve to it twenty was videos. Old Chapman once. Like. His channel was full of it, but now obviously he's got he's doing stuff outside of Anderton's on his channel, which is more mm. like obviously talking about like Chapman guitar stuff. He's doing a bit more tutorial stuff. Is he touring right now or he's not? They've just got back from Nam, haven't they? Well, obviously there's a run up to Nam, which obviously he's been doing a lot of stuff like that for. He goes over to America uh, every three months or so with Dave, and they do stuff for Rift City guitars now. Ah, uh, okay. He does, and like, gear so videos with them. But he's, he's still doing stuff, but his channel's definitely not like it was. Yeah, because he was one of the original, like, music YouTubers. Yeah, obviously he he's still, like... he still kind of is with Anderton's, but it's kind of more like it's broader now with Anderton's. Because it did make sense, because he had an Anderton's YouTube channel, and then all the best Anderton's stuff, which is obviously Robin Lee was pretty much the best. Fair enough for Beer, and that's great too, but, like, chap, like Anderton's is... Chappers and Lee. That is like that is well, Anderton's. It used to be, but uh, like a current uh, Anderton's channel, it's quite good. Yeah, it's expanded so they, now. It's it's a lot broader yeah, they now than it used to a, be. A more people, but uh, those those are great people. So oh yeah, they're I, I enjoy fantastic. watching them. Like a base series, the I like drum what series, I like. It, I like what they've done. I like how they've expanded it. But I do yeah, like sure. that's what they've done now. But obviously, back in the day, it was like Chappers and Lee, and now obviously it's grown beyond that. And it made sense to move it all over to there because otherwise you had like because you had half the and stuff on one channel, half of it on the other, and it was a bit confusing. And then I imagine ad revenue was a bitch. Oh, to yeah. sort out for those. I'm assuming Rob now gets paid, or maybe he always did get paid from Andertons. Like they pay him a salary for this work. Uh that would have make sense, of course. But yeah, right now he's probably just getting some royalty from Chapman Guitars and... Oh, he made a killing with Chapman Guitars. He made a decent chunk uh-huh. of change out of that. And uh, obviously he's got all his other stuff going on. So yeah, he'd be making decent money out of it. For sure. Making decent money for sure. Yeah, but yeah I can only imagine. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's definitely interesting how things have all panned out. But I think Chapman's definitely gone beyond a, a YouTube brand to be a legitimate guitar brand now. Like, like I said, stand, it can stand toe to toe with the other brands. Which is good. It's, it's yeah, st- but it, it kind of shows like uh, there is 
like YouTube and there's like outside world, so it's not mm. like the same thing. And yeah, uh, I think like the start- mainstream media and YouTube media are different yeah. things. So if you grow, you have to grow outside. Like I think so. it's getting taken more seriously. Like I think you probably did have a little bit of a stigma as being like a YouTube brand at first, but I think it is because obviously a lot of the artists are YouTubers as well, which. No, but I think I think because YouTube personalities have got such a big presence in the music industry now, I think it's starting to be. And obviously, the way Chapman have expanded, I think it is becoming more of like a like taken as more like a another guitar company rather than being like that guy from YouTube makes guitars. Oh like, yeah. And then, um, since all we're talking about Chapman, that's one of the things I want to talk about. I was very. This is another disappointed thing for me. I was very disappointed that the Leo from Fogleaf Studio signature model wasn't announced at Nam. Um, but that's because it's. Or I've heard it's going to be a thing. Because he, he plays like Hammer 1, like this Stripe yes, guitar. He, and he, I think he also owns the Rebea signature. He owns a lot of Chapman guitars. He owns, does oh. own it. But a lot of the a lot of the ML1-esque type of guitars is what he generally plays when he plays Chapman. But yeah, I think that's that's a part of being an artist of Chapman or, or any other guitar company. Because Did they do a Captain Meets? No, when Lee does interview, did, did they do one with Leo? I think they did. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, but I probably... heard it was a thing. Because apparently, I'm going to try and find it now. I'm not going to. Fi- okay. I'm not going to watch it. But I'm going to. Yes. Oh shit! It's going to turn on now. Fuck. There we go. Um. Yes. The Captain Meat Leo from Fogleaf Studios is the number one Captain Meat video. So it's the newest one. And apparently, oh, okay. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't got round to it. Um, yeah, two weeks ago. So it was fairly recent. Maybe they will talk about. But what I've heard, signature. apparently, what I heard from that video is that he did announce that the signature model is coming, which would make sense because he's the biggest artist without a doubt on their roster. So it would make yeah, sense. There is obviously a difference be- between custom made model and no, signature model because apparently he's getting an actual sign- a Fogleaf studio signature yeah it's actually supposed to you know the fans of Leo have to buy this are supposed to buy this guitar because they are fans of uh, well, Leo the Rob, the Rob Scallon I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume the Rob Scallon model is very popular I would go ahead and say for it's quite yeah a good... but it's it's actually a good guitar but it's like my, for me it's quite neutral I mean, mm. this 16 version at least. I'm not totally sure whether I'd own one, but I do like it. Yeah, because it's quite rare when the a signature guitar becomes like uh, a very popular, but not due to its owner's um, name. For example, yeah, I think, like I think the, the guitar's was... popular for what it is rather. I think it was as much as whose it is, but I think, I think definitely the 8 string helps as well, being an 8 string variant, because it's a good way to get an 8 string. But like, one oh, thing yeah. I noticed is it must be fairly popular in the way that the Chapman range got completely overhauled. Because as I mentioned before, a lot of the guitars were more the natural type of guitars before. Like the more bare wood type of guitars, like the Rob Scallon yeah, signature I remember is. Those. And other ones looks like they had some kind of cheap um, finish. And... I said if you look at like the Hot Rod or the, the old 7-string, the old series, they were more like your, your bare wood natural finish and stuff. And obviously the Rob Scallon one is like that and they've completely overhauled the range and the way the range looks, but that is still exactly the same. So obviously it must be a reason why that one didn't get overhauled like the rest of them. So maybe it is popular. Maybe people just dig it a lot. Yeah, there's kind of something about that look. Like and obviously you've got Rob Scallon who's like and... a 1.4-ish million subscriber channel. Huge yeah, name. He's thing, a huge it, name, which it, sells even... the brand. Even a huge artist like with one million plus uh, mm. followers, uh, 
is kind of at least in theory isn't as big as any kind of mainstream media oh no definitely um, not but in the music world in the music world of youtube yeah, it's, I mean, it's a big deal uh, for example if you compare uh, if i'm allowed to compare for example rap scale and f- to yeah. some kind of guitar player from i don't know megadeth or some oh, yeah, kind of metal yeah. band which is uh, for example yeah let's talk megadeth uh, is kiko lorero right now a guitar player for them um uh, my point is that uh, some kind of, uh, you know, second guitar players mm. and in Megadeth, they always have a new lineup every few years. So yeah. even with uh, kind of, um, uh, I don't know, not being super on the spotlight like that, uh, it's still more, um, I, guess, I guess, it still draws more attention than... Uh, like number one YouTube star. Yeah. So but... so yeah. Even like, even an artist from like second tier bands uh, are, but you know the mainstream media, they probably are more popular than YouTubers. Oh yeah, so, definitely. But obviously, I'm not like, sure how it works. But apart from like bands like In Me, because In Me a uh, Chapman artist and Def Havana a Chapman artist now, which is I didn't actually know that until today. But obviously, like, Chapman hasn't got the sort of name value that, like, an ESP would have. So, obviously, like, a, like a Dave Mustaine would go to Dean, not Chapman. But I think, like, Rob Scallon, obviously, is a big star in terms of Chapman. And uh, oh, obviously, yeah. he does have a huge audience, which is a very loyal audience. And he's very loyal to Chapman, which is another thing that I really like about Rob. Is that he is very loyal yeah, to it. Yeah, for sure. So, that's probably Same with the Leo, thing though, with... Like, like Rabia is very loyal to Chapman. Like, Rabia is Chapman. Like through and through. Uh, yeah, and obviously, you, you know he got his signature models because his friendship with uh, with Rob. But Rabia is absolutely fantastic and a great sort of sort of a. I'm trying to think what the word would be like a like a poster boy for the brand. Like Rabia is a perf- is a good poster boy for the brand. So it's good yeah, that he's got his signature name. model. Like Pete Cottrell, like obviously he has. I don't, he's he's about the same size as um, Rabia, but he hasn't got the. Obviously, he's not hasn't got that connection to Rob that. Rabia does, and Rabia does lots of in Chapman guitars anyway. But like Pete Cottrell's very loyal to Chapman as well. Like if you watch his videos, he's like he's always playing a Chapman. Part of he plays his Ibanez still, but but a lot of the times he's playing a Chapman, and, and uh, Leo is like that as well. Yeah, because there are some of the artists in the list that kind of are Chapman artists, but they don't play Chapmans. On yeah, like you get Jared, like Jared Dines is obviously bigger than Rob Scallon in terms of viewers, in terms of size, he's slightly bigger, but like he doesn't really play Chapmans much. Yeah, like it, it looks like like he's, he's an more like from Ernie like Ball now. He's, he's a different guitar brand. Yeah, and... like it was, I think it was for about a period of time where he was playing Chapman all the time, but now he's playing Ernie Ball a lot of the time. So obviously, like it would, wouldn't make sense to give him a signature guitar. For that because yeah, I don't think he I flies the flag. how it works. Uh, so, can you be like a Chapman artist and earnable artist? You can be multiple yeah. artists at the same time. I think, I think a company can say it's in your contract that you can't, but I think it's very rare. Like, I don't think Slash can become a BC Rich artist, that's why he's not an artist for them. Oh, yeah, but that's yeah, Gibson. Like, that's Gibson. Guys like that, so. Um, if you don't have that on the contract, like, obviously, so like Metallica were Gibson artists. Uh, Metallica were Gibson artists in the 90s but they're not anymore so I can't imagine they could have been with ESP and Gibson even though that James Hetfield still and uh, Kirk for that matter still play Gibsons they're not actually Gibson artists anymore whereas I think with like with most guitar brands you can be multiple artists you can be artists for multiple brands obviously Jared Dines is Ernie Ball uh, possibly Ormsby and he's also with another brand of 
uh, very recently announced that he's an artist for another brand as well. So he is getting himself about a bit. Um, oh yeah, Ormsby. Should we talk like, about that? <laughs> we will, yeah, we'll talk about it in a sec. But as I was getting back, I was saying like Rob's a very loyal guy to the brand. Oh, yeah. uh, the B, he's got a signature model. The B is very loyal to the brand. He's got a signature model. And Leo's very loyal to the brand as well. And without a doubt, the biggest guy on the Chapman roster. So it would make sense to give him a signature model. And apparently yeah, he's coming. Apparently sense. he's coming. So I was very surprised. But uh, we'll go full circle back to actually the conversation at hand. I was very surprised that we didn't actually see it at NAM, especially the fact that it was revealed it is going to happen. And um, I can almost predict what it is going to be. I can almost predict what this guitar is going to look like when we see it. Yeah, so what would I, be like a I think it's going to be, it's going to be an ML, it's going to be a ML1 with a nice top on it, but it's going to be it's going to be a smoky black type guitar. Did you see that guitar that he built? It was a strat oh. strat type of guitar. He painted it and so that he used spray paint on it. Spray yeah, painted. I remember it. he It's like a smoky something. black wh- black and white type of guitar with like looks like paint drops on it. And it's got EMGs in it. It's like a double humbucker strat thing. I think it's going to be a bit like a bit like a smoky black type of guitar but like with a nice like quilted maple top on it so it gives that sort of smoky effect to it it's going to be a bit like a black and grey type of guitar that's my prediction uh, it's going to yeah, have double probably it will be like super gnarly super dirty it's going to have double high it's going to have double high output guitar, it's going to have double high output pickups it's going to have maple neck ebony fretboard uh, matching headstock it may have a trim I don't think it will be a Floyd but I think there will be a trim in there Nonetheless, because Leo obviously does use uh, the trem a lot in his covers, but I don't know if he'd want to have a Floyd Rose, but he may put a Floyd Rose in it. And if that's my prediction for the guitar anyway, this is what I predict the guitar will look like, just from what I think Leo would choose. And if it doesn't have his Fog logo instead of that Infinity sign, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Well, yeah, there you have it. So you don't even need any kind of announcement. It's quite obvious. That's that's my that's my prediction. And if that yeah, if that fog if that fog logo it in some of them, if that fog logo is relegated to the back of the headstock, I'll be pissed. That needs to be instead of that infinity logo. That would top it off nicely. Put it under a thousand pound. Yeah, and if it, if it was what I said, and it's under a thousand pound, I'd consider it. I'd um, consider buying it. Yeah. Yeah, that that's probably be a good guitar. Yeah, that was one of my that was my disappointment with Chapman, the fact that the um the Fogleap Studios signature wasn't showing. Bit annoying, but it is what it is. But since that we're talking about Chapman and we're talking about another artist from Chapman and you mentioned it, I mentioned exactly what it was uh, a few minutes ago. Let's talk about Jared Dines. Oh yeah. And his wonderful eighteen string, <laughs> which looks so Glorious would be the best word to describe it. Uh, probably not the best word. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn! This is going on the guitars. This is another case of because you can. What? Why? Why yeah, are we going to let? Why are we eighteen string? Because you can. Why not? It's not going to be used for much. It's going to be. It's obviously it's going to be used for a parody type of purpose, but it's badass. You got to admit, it's yeah. badass, and it's got the world taught. And like, I've seen people complain. Uh, why like they've spent all this money making him this guitar for and he only plays one string and he's not going to use it who can play 18 string guitar blah de, blah blah so i've seen guitar world i've seen music radar i've seen total guitar i've seen ultimate guitar i've seen everyone on twitter all the brands on twitter all the magazine outlets the websites they've all been talking about ormsby guitars because of this that's why ormsby guitars made the jared dines 18 string yeah, agree, I agree, because I have talking. never heard of them before. I've heard of them before. They do sell the guitars here in the UK. And I think uh, Guitar Guitar, obviously, I always fly the flag for that brand. I love that guitar shop. They saw Ormsby Guitar for about the last year or so. 
Uh, I'm not a big fan of them. Because they do deal more in the multi-scale fan frets, really weird shaped guitars. Yeah, so that so that's their thing. So they yeah, they that's do their like thing. A, so that's, that's uh, multi, their speciality. Multi-scale yeah. giant guitars and so. So obviously this makes sense for them. This is yeah, a, that, this that is a perfect sense. thing for them. And like I said, why why would you bother spending five grand making that guitar? Because it probably got them a lot more in advertisement than five grand ever would. That's why yeah, they made it. And also. It's it's a cool thing, obviously. Everyone knows that Jerry Dines got screwed over uh, with that whole seventeen string fiasco. Which yeah, the, that I guy's like got famous as fuck. Out, like, that guy's he... got famous as fuck for the wrong reasons, but he's famous as fuck because I still see his face everywhere. He oh, still yeah. gets talked he, about. He, he so became a meme. So. He's never going to be able to do anything in his life again now in terms of music. <laughs> but apparently, he's a drug addict. I'm not going to say that in case he sues us, but that's what I've heard. He's a drug addict. Anyway, but either way, that's not that's the matter. That's his business. But yeah, that's why they did it, and it, it's badass. Obviously, he got he got well and truly screwed over by that whole thing. Uh, he managed to probably make more money out of it in the long run than what he paid on the guitar because he did make a video about it. Probably got a boatload of money from that. I think he either got hold of the actual guitar or he ordered yeah, one himself I... off AliExpress because he did make a video where he destroyed it. I don't know if he bought one off AliExpress to destroy, but. Either way, he got a lot of publicity, he got a lot of views, he got a lot of money from that. So it probably all worked out in the long run. I think that it was exactly that guitar because it said JD on or on the fretboard or somewhere like that. So probably Maybe, yeah. the guy just ended up sending the guitar to him and... Uh, yeah, maybe but, he sent it to try and save face, like, I wasn't ripping off his guitar sort of thing. Yeah, but then, no one told the whole story what happened after that. So... He definitely destroyed that, and yeah, there was a video online where he's seen that, and yeah, he destroyed it on Twitter it. because it, it wasn't on YouTube. I don't know if it was on YouTube, but it was on Twitter. I remember seeing it on Twitter, and he was like, he put it, he like put it like on top of something and jumped, like stamped on it, like he would like if you're trying to break a skateboard or something like that. And uh, he should have put wheel. He put, should have put trucks and wheels on it and went skating. That would have been. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be. But either way, I think the whole fiasco made him a lot more money anyway. So it probably worked out in the end. And now he's got the eighteen string uh, arms. We got a lot more advertising than five grand would have ever got them. Uh, everyone's talking about it. This video is going to pull in a million views plus, easy. Yeah, when this video is out. haven't even done one video. Yeah. playing that guitar like legit video I'm yeah and then it'll be a, it'll be a name. main guitar that will pop up every now and then it'll it'll earn it it'll pay for itself many many times over in terms of ad revenue and sales without a doubt but yeah. uh that I'm, was, I'm that currently was, waiting uh have you heard of that 10 minutes uh guitar change uh challenge that's starting to go on uh going on on youtube no like I, I'd like someone to challenge Jared Dines to do his 18-string guitar because that would be hilarious. Well, I think that's, that's, that's kind of works like any other challenge. So someone does it and, and like said, I, I challenge someone I have not, not seen this yet. So, yeah, we'll see when someone challenges him and that would be Ooh. just a hilarious video. Because I'm going to have to do I, some research after this podcast. I'm going to have to look all this stuff up. Oh, this could yeah, be interesting. Yeah, it's not huge. I saw it yeah. on. Um, it could get huge uh, though. HP forty two. I saw it mm. on uh, Spectrum Media. No, it could get huge. Probably that's it. That could so- be interesting. Someone, someone challenged HP also. HP is like Henning, Henning, uh, the dude from Germany. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of going on. So mm. if someone would challenge uh, Jared Dines, that would be hilarious. That could be interesting. 
I could be interested. But uh, since yeah, we've, we've been talking about the whole Chapman thing and all of their affiliates, uh, let's talk about another one. Since we've talked about with Beer a little bit, and that is Victory have announced the Super Kraken. And I think there was another Amber, I can't remember the name off the top of my Super head. Kraken. Oh, Super yeah. Kraken. Looks sweet as. Looks like a basically souped up version of the Kraken. But that should be pretty damn cool. The Kraken is a sweet as guitar. You ever see, did you see it? Did you see the news on it? The Super Kraken, and I think there was one more guitar, but I can't remember what he's called. Did you say guitar? The I think they do... Amp. The Amp, sorry. The Amp. The Amps, the yeah. Amp. Super Kraken Amps. The Countess, I think, was another one. Uh, the V100, maybe. I can't remember. No, it wasn't them. It was another one. It was the Countess, I think, they did, and the Kraken, but they've got some new Amps coming out. And uh, the beer also did the demos for the new Bare Knuckle pickups, which looks so sweet as, which was showcased at NAMM. Oh, bare knuckles. Oh, okay. they were sweet as. They're, they're not... As, they're, I don't think these ones are customizable. I think these are going to be more like a production line of pickups as opposed to more the um, built-to-order type of pickups that they do. It's going to be more a case of this is what you get. You know what you're getting. You can just order them. I think that's going to be the case with these ones, but they okay. sounded amazing. Because obviously they're very customizable pickups where you can pretty much, you can get like a pink humbucker made to see exactly how you want it and all stuff like that. Like, I think these are going to be more like standard. This is coming gold, they come in black or zebra, and that's yeah, about that's, it. But that's kind of a good thing. That's not I think much, it definitely is. Uh, not I think, many pickup, you, know, um, you know, manufacturers do that they, the custom colors and all that because cause you, you see like. A, one thing I notice is like you get places don't really stock bare knuckle pickups, which is one thing I always notice. And obviously, because they're harder to stock, really, because they are a lot more one-offs. Like they do make, they do have, the people do stock sets, but I think this will help get a lot more bare knuckle pickups into stores as a as a whole, as opposed to rather than the odd store might have a deal with them. And I think it'll probably be a very beneficial thing for them. Are those like? Are you supposed to order them from the website? You or can, are those but some stores do based? sell them. Some stores do. Like Andertons do sell some guitar guitar in the UK. Do sell some, but they're more like the like calibrated sets where you might just get them in like gold or black or whatever like that. Oh yeah. Like obviously, if you want to get your pink um, nail bombs stuff like that, obviously you've got to order them directly from them. But I think these are going to be more like these are more like a stock set where you can't customize them. I don't think. It's going to be kind of what they are what they are. But yeah, um, sure. if you check out the videos, they are absolutely fantastic. Like, I'm like, damn, maybe some bare knuckle. Maybe some bare knuckle shit. Oh, yeah, I should. I probably shouldn't because, uh, you know, we don't have uh, a lot of good pickups in stores here because, uh, for example, I don't know, I was interested in Fishman pickups mm. lately because they Expensive. are kind of uh, exploding right now mm. with those new series. And I just, uh, you know, drive to a uh, official fishman mm. dealer and, you know, ask them if they have any in stock and then say, okay, yeah, we are fishman yeah. dealers. So here are some acoustic guitar pickups that have been around for like 20 years. I, I get That's them. all we got. So I, it's it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, and they are hard to get hold of. Um, but they're so, obviously bare knuckles. So. Yeah. Especially where like somewhere like where you live, it's not as easy to get as access to them. I think the I think this is a good thing the way that Bare Knuckle are doing it with the way that you will just be able to buy them in stores more readily available. Uh, probably, I think because they they were always like a made to order type of brand. Like they were they didn't have artists. I don't think they had an artist roster for a very long time. I don't know if they still have an artist roster per se, or whether they have people that just play them. But like 
They used to be room. They didn't have an artist roster. They were more like made to order. They were like this sort of like this underground secret of pickups. Like these amazing pickups that you never secret ever saw. Pickups. Oh, yeah. And like now I think they are, maybe they've just known that they are that good and that this is like obviously evolution to expand the business. And I think it is a good way to go for them. And uh, I'd love to try some. I would love to chat out some bare knuckles and play. I've never played a set of bare knuckles before. I'd love to play them. Oh, yeah, me too. I know some people that have a bare knuckle pickups here, so I don't know where did they get those. But yeah, I think you can order them direct and they'll just ship them, I think. Yeah, probably that. Yeah, probably that. But uh, it seems that we're talking about. Fishman briefly, uh, which I was about to say that I can actually get them discounted as part of my vintage endorsement, but they're still far too expensive for my Yo, you're lucky. price points. <laughs> I don't know how discounted they are, but I can get them at least slightly discounted, but they're still expensive as shit. But uh, we'll move on to vintage. That is on my list also. Vintage didn't do a great deal in terms of um, new stuff, but they did reveal a few nice finishes, which really tickled my pickle. And uh, made me rethink a few of my life choices in terms of what gear I'm going to buy. Oh, yeah, soon. at least at least we have vintage guitars represented mm. in Moscow. So oh, that's good. They do get about, yeah. but they, they are more in like the smaller stores as opposed to the big stores like the Underins. They all like they're all like in the smaller stores, which would make sense that they maybe crop up in like other countries like randomly. I think that would make a lot more sense. I'm I think they're very easy for companies to stock as well because I have a friend that owns a guitar store, a very small guitar store. Like one man operate like very small operation. He stocks vintage guitars because I think they are so easy to get hold of, and the fact you don't have to place a big order with them. But I think you can pretty much buy what you need, sort of thing. So I think it's one of those brands that a lot of small stores can get hold of. Yeah, which I is think, good. Yeah, I'm just looking at. Um, Cause like my, yeah, my, like I when it, the music land shop popped hmm. up, and that's it. Seems to be a lot more independent stores that stock. Vintage yeah, I guitars. think yeah, that's a small store. I'm not yeah. sure if I've been there because yeah, my, that's the reason my friend stocks them because you can you can buy a few and they don't like have like a minimum order thing where you have to buy like a hundred thousand pounds worth of Gibsons every year like you do with Gibson. Oh yeah, like, they have some like boss crazy apparently. Deals. My yeah. friend um, had to drop boss as one of his uh, product lines because they pretty much got told that they've got to sell boss at a loss. They've got to pay more for boss pedals than what they can actually sell them for because everyone else like guitar center like would like and, and stuff like that sell them for that price so you've got to kind of sell them for that price too so say like say like a ds1 might retail meant to be say 45 quid but everywhere stocks it for 40 he could be paying 40 quid for it so yeah that's yeah uh, stop stocking that's them kind of how it works which is a bit annoying but yeah in terms of vintage they didn't really push the envelope out too much but they've got some nice finishes they've got a lovely wine red les paul type guitar which looks a bit like my epiphone actually and uh, they've got sweet as uh, black HSS strap with black pick guard. That thing is beautiful. Yeah, and those are cheap too, as mm, far as I know. Very right? good bang for the buck guitars. I was hoping with vintage, this is going to be my one gripe with vintage. I was really hoping they were going to maybe bring some more modern stuff back because they, they are very vintage, I suppose would be the best term for them. Uh, but they've got the traditional oh, yeah. strats, tellies, Les Paul, SGs, hollow bodies. They're very much like your, your traditional type of brands whereas back in the day before they start getting sued by people and uh trevor wilkinson came on board they actually used to like do a lot of like jackson copies like, uh, like the randy Rhodes copy i mean that was the first thing oh, yeah. I, I used to, mm. i played a vintage randy Rhodes um years ago pre it was pre trevor wilson wilkinson sorry trevor wilkinson That's before, cool. before he got on board they used to have like a bc rich warlock type of guitar and like other stuff like that and now they don't and i sort of i was hoping that obviously with the the way that the market's starting to shift in that more like modern metal type of guitars, where it's obviously become a very popular thing. I was hoping they were maybe going to try and go down that route, 
which they didn't they just sort of released some new finishes for pre-existing strats tellies stuff like that which was a bit disappointing but the stuff that they did release looked pretty damn sweet and uh i've had my stuff in my mind for ages of the guitars i'm going to buy from them and i've definitely had to rethink some of them because uh, yeah but that's beautiful if you're stuck with vintage reissues that's mm. as far as you can go and just different finish colors and stuff yeah. like that Obviously, so I when, next time I need a Strat or a Telly, we go on Vintage for sure. But I was really hoping that they maybe get some, maybe like a V, like maybe like an Explorer type of guitar. Like, you know, I thought they maybe could push the envelope a little bit and start to get into that market ah, a bit more. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Because obviously, like, if I want to get a Strat or Telly, or if I want to get a little less power, I'll chance I'll just buy Vintage rather than going out with four Gibsons, especially for the price point, especially for the price that I get them as an artist. But especially, I was, but yeah, I was, because you're, you're an artist. But obviously, if I want to, say, get, like, an Explorer, I've got to go Epiphone Gibson or uh, Explorer Eskitar Schechter uh, ESP sort of thing. I was like, oh, if I want to get something like that, I was really hoping that maybe they'd start to go into or that Chapman. area a little bit more, and then maybe I could just buy off them. I was really hoping. I was like, well, my big hopes for this year would be that they started getting to the more modern rock and metal approach. But the structure of the name, the structure of vintage, it is what it is. But either way, the stuff that they did show at NAMM looks sweet as... And uh, I'm really hoping to get some of them to review. Really hoping oh, to get some yeah. of them. That reminds me, I need to email them about that. But, uh, uh, can I, uh, you know, can you get the guitars like um, just for lease for, from them or just, just, re- uh, just to for review? A few days? Yeah, uh, just that's what I've been inquiring recently. I did actually ask them about that, but the person that I had to deal with was at NAM. Obviously, I would ask at the worst week of the year will be the time where I hit up uh, them and say, by the way, can we do some work together? So I've got, <laughs> I've actually got an email them. Apparently he's back yesterday, so I should have emailed them. But I'll email him uh, at some point soon. Hopefully I'll get some stuff on the channel to check out. Because I've never really played a vintage since... Actually, I'm like, apart from I'm an artist, uh, apart from that acoustic, I don't think I've played a vintage in like a decade. Apart from the acoustic no. that I've got. Like a vintage electric, I don't think I've played in about a decade or so. So I'm very interested to see what they're like because I've heard amazing things. I just have no experience with them. Only the yeah, acoustic. I'm just looking at right now. It's a Les Paul Junior type guitar. Mm, yeah. A, I'd love to compare cool. that to my own Junior because I've got the Gibson one. I'd love to compare that and see what it's like. Yeah, that would be because the Epiphone. Apart from the Epiphone was bought on with a humbucker. That was very very close to the Gibson. In terms of playability, I'd say the Epiphone played as well as the Gibson did. So I'd be very curious to see what the vintage oh. was like. I'd yeah, be those very have curious been what it's like. Or but, um, like that. Alright, everybody, it's time to exit stage left and head over to the next town. Really hope you guys have enjoyed this episode today. Uh, as I said at the start of the show during the open, this was the first half of the conversation me and Dan had about Winter Nam 2018. We didn't think we'd hit an hour at all. We thought maybe a 30, 45 minute podcast at the most, and we went over two hours. We had a lot of fun doing it. So hopefully you guys have had just as much fun listening to the first half of this conversation. Episode three will be the second half of the conversation me and Dan had. That should be with you guys in the next couple of days. So come back and listen to it when that is live. And in the future, we'll be to mention it in the second half of the podcast. Uh, we talked about some of the guests that we're going to have, some of the stuff we're going to be doing in future episodes. So hopefully you guys are excited and as excited as we are for them. And if you want to keep up with date of all things Miscast Podcast, head on over to our social media pages, Facebook and Instagram.com forward slash Miscast Podcast. Our Twitter is twitter.com forward slash Miscast underscore podcast. You can follow us on Twitch and SoundCloud, twitch.tv, soundcloud.com forward slash Miscast Podcast. And make sure you subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts and iTunes and leave a five-star review. Let people know that 
that you're enjoying the podcast and that will help us get uh, higher in the search results and reach more people. And if you want to become a super fan, if you really want to support the podcast and really help us keep this going, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash miscast podcast. You can listen to episodes for free still. If you don't want a pledge, that is entirely cool. But if you do so, you can get ad-free viewing, live hangouts and loads of other cool perks too. And also don't forget one other podcast services such as Stitcher and CastFM. So no matter where your favorite podcast platform is, miscast podcast will be on there. And I also want to give one quick thanks to our sponsor, Orange Amps and the new Brent Hines Tour Amp. They have sponsored the podcast today, which is awesome. I really hope you guys go and check the amp out. There'll be a review of it on my channel very, very soon. So go and check that out, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash doodles music. All right, everybody, that is the end of the podcast. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed it today. My name is Doodles. My co-host was Daniel Leonov. We thank you so much for listening and we'll see you guys next time. You have been listening to a Miscast production. Subscribe and download new episodes on iTunes and listen on SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitch, Stitcher and more or become a superfan on Patreon. Just search for the Miscast podcast.